0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Cult I Left Behind podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Briggs, and I'm here to tell you my stories of growing up in the IBLP cult, which you might know from the Duggar family.
1: And I'm your other host, Kyle Briggs. I'm Amanda's husband, and I have not heard most of these stories before, so stay tuned, and we'll all get traumatized together. Welcome back to the next episode. This is the last episode in our little shiny, happy people series. Um, We just watched the episode. We went straight from (laughs) the episode into recording this, which we were trying not to do. um, And we did it anyways. And this one was...
0: Was it just me or was this one like harder than the other ones?
1: For me, it wasn't any different. It was... But I, I... Saw what was happening to you. Well, I broke down
0: and wept at the end of it. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So it it definitely impacted you differently than the other episodes. Um, And I think you had some stronger emotions there. So we will try to ease through this as much as we can. (laughs) And um, you're doing great for watching that stuff. And especially how much it was your life. And still being able to talk about that stuff, so.
0: I think I didn't know until we started this podcast, because we were like, let's do a podcast about growing up in a cult, ha, 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 ha. And now that we're in it, it's like, shit, I grew up in a fucking cult. (laughs) (laughs) There's even a documentary about it, and lots of criminal legal investigations and cases and Like, this isn't just my funny stories about burning Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. Like, Mm -hmm. this cult negatively impacted thousands of young people who were forced to grow up under its control. And I think part of the emotion for me watching the series and this episode is, like, the empathy and pain for all of us. And the other part of the emotion is I'm just so proud of everyone who got out. Yeah. And I'm so proud of everyone who brought a lawsuit against Bill and IBLP and who got on social media and started sharing their stories and who participated in this documentary and who got out, I think. Toward the end of the episode, Jill Duggar mentions to get out of a cult, you kind of have to go through hell first Mm -hmm. to be willing to step outside of that control boundary you've known your whole life. Mm -hmm. And, And so if you did watch the series along with us, even if you didn't grow up in a cult, I hope you have a lot of compassion and just pride and everyone who was able to leave. And if you grew up in the cult and you are out now, I hope you're really proud of yourself. And if you're still in the cult and you're listening, which I kind of doubt, but just in case, there is a way out. And I think that's what made me so emotional about the whole thing. But we start, okay, so we start this episode with Homeland Security Investigations contacting Josh Duggar about child pornography. And Kyle, you're the one with the degree in digital forensics. So <laughs> you wanna talk through your thoughts on this? You must have some.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a technical standpoint, there was some there were some things that were interesting in there. One is I mean, you know, tracking tracking photos and videos and downloads across the internet, it's not difficult, uh, especially mm-hmm. for people that are trained to do that kind of stuff so you know them tracking that down to an ip address for his car dealership like that's standard yeah um that's not hard to do um and then once you get a hold of whatever computers are in that building um you know there's fingerprints for all that stuff um and then you can like digital
0: you, fingerprints yeah
1: um so you have like technical stuff here like Mm -hmm. every computer's got a mac address which is a unique identifier to the network card inside of the computer so it's a essentially a social security number
0: for the computer for
1: the computer for well it's for the network card in the computer but you know okay possession it's it's not hard to figure out who was using it then once you get a hold of the computer then you can look at the logs and you can say okay who logged in during that time
0: right because josh kept saying oh it was this guy that i hired
1: right like that that doesn't fly when you can actually get a hold of the computer and look at it. Yeah. It's very easy to tell. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that was a pretty cut and dry investigation for them since they were able to show up and just get a hold of his computers. Um, the other interesting thing was he had software on his computer, which is, he referred to it as accountability software.
0: Oh, the Covenant Eyes thing. <laughs> yeah. Andy had that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty popular. <laughs> it's a tool if you're trying to stop looking at porn. Like you have to install that on your computer. You have to set up. If I look at anything, like send, you know.
0: My wife, my my buddy, my pastor. Right.
1: Yeah. It sends him an email got, and says yeah. like, hey, so-and-so was looking at something or, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't know exactly what that specific software sends. I don't know if it's like, this is the website they went to. Sure, it could. Um, but they mentioned that uh, Josh had split his hard drive. Um, and in, in technical terms, what you do is it's partitioning the hard drive. So the software was probably looking at like his C drive on his computer. So
0: Covenant Eyes. Yeah, the, okay. the Covenant
1: Eyes was probably looking at the C drive and saying like, do I see anything here? I'm going to look and see if I see any files here or whatever.
0: Okay. But
1: if you partition your hard drive and you create two two different hard drives out of one physical hard drive, so you get okay. two digital drives. What I deduced from what they were saying, is that he was storing all those photos on the other partition that the Covenant and I software couldn't see?
0: So there are just so many overlaps. There are so many ways in which my brother's similar to Josh Duggar. Like in the episode they talk about how Josh was very tech savvy even as a young mm-hmm. person, and and Andy definitely was. And um and the other overlap with my family that kind of hit hard was you know so hsi is investigating josh and as per usual jim bob is like everything's fine and josh hasn't done anything Mm -hmm. even though he knows josh has a history of assaulting people Mm -hmm. so
1: which even uh, his aunt later
0: yeah i have a lot to say about her corroborated because i like her a lot yeah so Josh gets charged uh, two counts for receiving and possessing child porn. And this was the other thing that blew my mind. The Duggars, so Jim, Bob, and Michelle, through their PR person, put out a statement that no one was being investigated while knowing Josh was under federal investigation. Mm-hmm. Didn't Derek, Jill's husband say it was like the same day yep. they found out. Yep. Then like later that day, they released the statement. Everything's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> the other thing that was interesting is the actual playback of the call where the officers yeah. or whoever, the investigators call Josh. He didn't sound surprised. He didn't, he was just trying to get facts out of the investigator Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just like, no, like from my office. He, so like, he there was to me no he's like a there.
0: malicious predator who's right. ready for this.
1: Yeah. Like he didn't seem yeah. surprised at all. He wasn't defensive at all. Like he was just very nonchalant about the whole thing. Yep. Which, you know, that sounds very guilty your and behaviors. And the investigator it showed
0: some of the court documents, but the investigator said it was like what top five, top 10 worst child pornography you have ever yeah. seen. And this, this part was really hard for me. Um, I mean, this, this episode just butchered me. I live in a world of responding to trying to prevent and respond to sexual assault. And they started listing this stuff Josh was looking at. So Massive trigger warning. I'm about to talk about like infant sexual assault, not in detail, um, but just skip forward a little bit if you don't want to hear this. But the court documents showed that Josh was looking at three to four month olds <laughs> pornography of three to four month olds. Mm-hmm. They were screaming, they were in visible pain. And I also saw the word torture that they highlighted in the court documents. And I just like, who the fuck does, well, who does this to anyone, but you do that to a little baby. Yeah. And, and then you, Josh and other people who partake in child pornography, you look at that stuff. Like these are the people who need to be locked away for fucking life, man.
1: Mm -hmm. And he got
0: 12 and a half years.
1: And they didn't say like the charges originally were 20 years. He ultimately Ooh. ended up getting twelve and a half. I just twenty whole years. Yeah. That seems pretty light in comparison to what what he was
0: yeah. looking at
1: and what he's been accused of and what he And that's was that's typical. Of.
0: I was watching something the other day and I need to fact check this, but I it said that ninety seven percent of perpetrators never spend a day in jail anecdotally that rings true (laughs) but i need to i need to actually like research that Mm -hmm. and find out if it's factually based but yeah this this is the stuff i fight against in my professional life and it just pisses me off like oh the christian air quotes christian white boy gets 12 and a half years for looking at the shit he was looking at yeah and uh, consuming and uh Okay. Another part of that was, um, Bobby Holt. You know, she made the comment like they just seemed like good people before all of this came out. You know, you mm. look at the Duggars and they just seemed like good people. And I'm, I'm curious. I've had some folks reach out to me who knew me when I was a lot younger, who knew my bio parents, knew my family, and I'm really curious. And feel free to message me. Like did Rick and Chris seem like good people. Like, did we also have that plastic facade of, oh, these are just like really good people? Or did everyone know? Like, did everyone know how fucked up things were? I'm really curious.
1: Yeah, you have had somebody reach out to you and say, you know, like, I didn't know what was happening.
0: It it was really nice to hear from her. And I really appreciated her reaching out. So yeah, if anyone else listens to this and they knew... They knew my bio family back when I was part of that. I'm really curious if if people had the same impression Bobby Holt had of oh they're they're really good people and you know we had a rapist and there were definitely instances of porn in my household and stuff like that. So so the documentary did talk about how one of the reasons Josh got convicted is that the prosecution was able to demonstrate a pattern by going back and bringing up everything from years prior, when Josh had been assaulting girls, and Jim Bob made him, you know, confess to that state trooper. Mm-hmm. Did did it look like they got the paperwork from back then? Like, was there actual paperwork from back then? There must have been because Amy, the cousin, talks about how Jim Bob lied on the stand he just kept saying he didn't recall he didn't Mm -hmm. recall and amy had the comment oh you don't recall your own daughter's assault and the holts were like yeah he lied he lied on the stand yeah and they did they were showing documents right
1: that was what it was is that he was in court and they were pulling the police reports and saying, going through what he told the police at the time of the report and he was saying i don't i don't recall and it's just Mm -hmm. like okay well this This is what you told the police at the time. It's written down. It's on record. Like, Mm -hmm. is that what you said or not? No, I don't recall. I
0: don't recall. And I want to give a huge shout out to Jill because she was prepared to testify against her brother. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. Like, that's a really hard thing to do. And, and let me let me try to explain why. It's not like, oh, it's your brother. It's because your whole family is going to fucking hate you forever. In that dynamic, your whole family – like, you are gone. Like, it's over. You have nieces and nephews. God bless. Like, you're probably never going to talk to them again. Maybe when they're adults, they'll reach out. I mean, I hope my nieces and nephews reach out someday when, when they're adults. Your siblings – you know, you had dreams of Christmas and holidays and trips to see each other as, as you all get older. And those are the people who will, will be with you when you're old and gray and you'll all be sitting around remembering the good old days and, and talking about the stories of being kids together like that's gone. That is not happening anymore.
1: <sighs> and she did allude. She didn't outright say it that she was like completely excommunicated from her family. But she, she said kept things saying, were pretty
0: rocky. Pretty
1: rocky. We're on and the outside. Yeah, I think that's what Derek them. said. Yeah. Like, like it definitely alluded to the fact that they, they had been excommunicated too.
0: Mm-hmm. I also have a note here before we move on past the trial, but the the judge got mad at Jim Bob and told him he couldn't come back because he didn't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, I a like that memory. judge.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I would have paid to be in the courtroom where you tell, <sighs> the, you know, tell somebody on the witness stand, like you're not allowed back up here. You don't remember I shit. Get lost. <laughs> and
0: one thing that was a, a positive overlap with my story is judges holding parents accountable. Like the judge was like, Jim Bob, Get out of here. Like you are you are useless. and And the judge knew Jim Bob was just lying. Mm-hmm. And the judge told my parents, remember from my story, I think it's the episode is four years in court. The judge told my parents if he could charge them right then and there, he would mm-hmm. if the statute of limitations hadn't run out. And I think that that is so important for parents in the cult who were complicit in covering up their child's crimes to get like to get told off by a judge, Mm -hmm. you know, like good on the judges. So that's that was a positive overlap I saw that made me really happy. And then Jim Bob just was like, you know, what would be a great idea (laughs) (laughs) while Josh is on, you know, federal trial for child pornography? I should run for Senate. What is this guy's problem?
1: I I don't know. But it's so it is so typical typical of people in those fundamentalist families. And and one of the I think one of the ladies said that she was just like, that's so normal for them to be like, oh, the world's crashing around you. You're on the hot seat. Everybody's staring at you. You've messed up. And what do you do? Oh, let's just run for public office. Like, yeah. no, that's the last yeah. thing a normal person would do. You're not like, you don't get in <laughs> hot water and you're like, how do I make this worse?
0: And then did you see the news article that they showed in the documentary? It was like, Jim Bob Duggar loses dot, dot, dot by a landslide. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, saw that. I was curious. I was curious how bad that was. Like, did, you know, did he get like 5% of the votes?
0: I don't know. Someone look it up and tell us, but... <laughs> yeah. So that that story in the documentary episode was kind of the catalyst for bringing up this thing called the Joshua Generation. And we get a commentator, an ex-IBLP commentator, Alex Harris, who talks about how this concept of the Joshua Generation was influenced by, you know, Bill Gothard and the whole Quiverful movement. And the goal was basically to take over the world for Jesus Christ. So – He, Alex Harris, called it a decades long, like multi generational plan to create. He called it an elite strike force of homeschool graduates to take over the government for Jesus Christ. And then it started showing all these clips of kids like, learning how to debate. And that was, that was, I was never allowed to participate in it because Rick and Chris said I would be too argumentative. (laughs) I think it's because I was already like, you know, researching Hebrew and Greek when I was eight to tell Rick that I didn't want to, you know, uh, that I was allowed to keep braiding my hair or whatever. They, yeah, they said it would make me too argumentative. I was already argumentative enough. So I was not allowed to participate in debate, but that was a huge part of the homeschooling community in which I grew up. Even like outside the hardcore cult, homeschool kids were supposed to learn all of these skills that would position them to be in positions of power in the government.
1: Do you think that if your brother hadn't raped and molested you for your, you know, your entire childhood, do you think they would have had the same stance of like, not letting you debate, like you act, you have a very good personality for that, and you're like truthful to the fault, like <laughs> through and through, like you're perfect for that. So, do you think that was a factor in why they were like, "No, you you can't do that"?
0: I mean, probably because then I would be talking, right? And right. We can't have Amanda talking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ha 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 ha. Are you listening to my podcast, Rick and Chris? <laughs> I'm in a real snarky mood right now, folks. Um, but like Amy's husband, Brian. We really don't like him. He he epitomizes this whole like Joshua generation concept. Like he started working in government and, and then he joined the military. I think he's joined the army. And I was told – I was already gone from the family by then. And I was told by people who knew the family and were still in touch with me, like it was evident to everyone that – that Brian just joined the military for his political resume one day, and okay. and just so the whole freaking world knows, if he ever tries to run for anything, I'm going to talk about how he and Amy knew that um, I was sexually assaulted by Andy, and they refused to comment when they were questioned by detectives and sided with the family, and then American can decide if they want <laughs> Brian in any you know significant position of leadership. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But, yeah, that was I, – I don't know much about Brian. I Facebook stalked him once like a decade ago and was not impressed.
1: So I thought it was interesting that as part of the Joshua generation, they're like, you know, they're starting to send out all these kids into government positions. Yes. But, you know, as much as going up to being the president, but specifically they wanted them to be Supreme Court justices. Yes,
0: so that they could change laws.
1: Mm-hmm. So they really only have, like, they're specifically targeting positions within the government. Like, president would be great, but, like, we really want Supreme Court justices so that we can overturn stuff like, I assume, Roe v. Wade and other laws like that that are contradictory to their belief system.
0: Yeah. And they talk about some of the ways homeschool kids could get ready for law school and stuff. Uh, Patrick Henry College came up, which made me laugh because I'd forgotten about it. (laughs) It's okay. So if you were going to go to college, like eventually, I I don't remember everything that happened, but like when I was young in the cult, a young kid in the cult, no college. You will have an internship. You will go into ministry. Or even if you don't go into ministry, if you need to be a breadwinner for your family because you are a man, then it's okay because your internships will provide everything you need to succeed in life and employers will care more about your character than your resume. Okay. So that's the first wave. Mm -hmm. And then you'll notice that Verity College becomes a thing. And I think it's because they started to realize like, oh shit, it's not working, guys. It's not working. Character isn't enough. But the whole thing with with Verity, and we will do an episode on all of the different programs, but just like, I haven't researched this yet to remember everything, just kind of spitballing here off the cuff. I I think it was supposed to be completed in two years through CLEP testing and portfolioing your experience. So there were no actual like collegiate level classes with professors mm. who were qualified to help you expand your mind and your thinking like one of my favorite professors ever said you don't go to college so much to learn your your degree topic as you go to college to become a certain sort of person to mm. think to learn how to think critically to learn how to take constructive criticism to learn how to form a cohesive coherent thought and argument and you know all of that kind of stuff so that was totally not part of it. It was just, let's get the college credits. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in there, Patrick Henry College emerges, and that became like an acceptable place to go. So again, just kind of off the top of my head, I think the three approved places for you know good homeschool cult kids to go to college were Patrick Henry College, Moody Bible Institute, and Liberty University. And y'all, if, if you grew up – in the cult or in you know the homeschool the conservative homeschool community let me know if i'm forgetting any of the other ones but yeah
1: so, so do you think that patrick henry college was specifically chosen because of its connections with the government agencies cuz they touched on that in the in the episode that you know the i forget what agencies it was fbi or whatever like those were uh, pipeline schools to go work at these agencies and do you think it was just because the college had such a network of probably well, getting kids and internships at all these yeah, agencies I, like that was there. I
0: think it was through internships and stuff. Like I think Patrick Henry college, again, don't quote me. This is just going off old memories. Um, I think it was founded by people who were part of this, like Joshua generation conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think they were, they had contacts in these fields. And if you went to college there, you know you would meet those folks or get internships or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah it, it probably was a pipeline and um and it talked about that Cawthorn guy and his <laughs> sexual misconduct and this is this is a golden quote one of the commentators in the ser- in the episode said the most prominent leaders of this movement all get caught up in abuse scandals mm mm-hmm. mhm Everyone, like you look at it, Josh Duggar, Jim Bob Lyon, uh, Bill Gothard, this Cawthorn guy who's who's like the golden child of the Joshua generation. Mm -hmm. And then she continues with uh, pointing out that the communities, like the cult community, the homeschool, the conservative right wing homeschool community is trained and conditioned to move on like these scandals never happened. Mm -hmm. Like we knew
1: what to do. Yeah, they probably just teach him that it's like, oh, that was a fluke. Or mm-hmm. like that was just one bad apple. Mm-hmm. And not that like everybody's a bad apple, which I mean I guess is a normal stance to take, but you do have to keep an eye on the pattern. I thought one of the interesting things of his allegations for Madison Cawthorn, which he made it to Congress, so that's mm-hmm. pretty good for the Joshua generation. Um but they said he had predatory behavior.
0: Yeah. And
1: I was like, that's
0: Does this sound familiar?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Seeing some patterns here.
0: No. And then they brought up Roe v. Wade. And like, I remember where I was when I found out about that. I was at home. I was walking down the stairs to take something to the basement. And I think someone texted me and I saw it. And I, I just stopped right there on the stairs. And I pulled up the article and I sat down. And I cried because that that moment is such a significant shift in how we view women. And you can have all, you know, you can you can have your views on abortion. and I have my views on abortion. But the fact that it was overturned so completely, and then you have like Texas saying that even in cases of rape and incest, you can't get an abortion or it has to happen within a number of weeks where you you usually don't even know you're pregnant or like a, a survivor of rape. There is no way usually they can make a decision about whether or not they want to terminate a pregnancy in that amount of time. And my point in all of this, in this little tangent, is that the folks who are shaping or attempting to shape these laws, trying to get these laws overturned, like these aren't great people. They aren't people who think critically. They, they're communities and people who just blindly follow along behind a cult leader or other influential people who are committing sex crimes, who are, who are behaving in predatory manners, who are, you know, downloading and watching child porn. I think it's so important to think a lot more critically. About the propaganda we hear from that sector of society and truly understand who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Because there are probably much better solutions that are far more balanced right. if we could just look somewhere else for an idea, mm-hmm. for an answer. It, it shouldn't be old white men like Bill Gothard who, you know. Never got married, never had a kid. <laughs> yeah. never, never had a daughter who was raped, never had a wife who was dying of complications from a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. you know, and I recognize I'm getting very political in this, but I, I think that it's so important to recognize the people who are pushing these agendas and really think critically about their experience, their knowledge, their credibility, and if they should be part of this conversation, if they should be thought leaders, if, if like, are they even decent people?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think what you're trying to say is Are you going to no, it? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> stepping that back right now. I'm just like, my, I guess I'm agreeing with you on the fact that it's radicals that are trying to change these laws. And once they change it, they're going to swing to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and do something radical with it Mm -hmm. and so it's not like they're they're not trying to just swing it a little more in their direction or come to like a a common sense conclusion on that and write the law that's more balanced Mm -hmm. and something that everybody can agree on they want total control they want total control and it's going to be like really slid to one side
0: like the the commentator who said i read handmaid's tale and i was like oh my gosh like that's my life and and i think that you know, I, I have read that book. Um, I could only handle watching the first season of the TV show. Got a little too real for me. People like <laughs> Bill Gothard, organizations like IBLP, their goal is control. Mm-hmm. Their goal is domination. So should they even have a seat at the table mm-hmm. when we are making really important decisions about – laws and people's lives. Mm-hmm. So this this episode seemed to me to jump around quite a bit. Like we went from, you know, the episode talking about the government and Roe v. Wade and everything. And then we cut to this scene and it's an IBLP conference and there's this female speaker talking about how, you know, she just really had to work on being a submissive wife And how, and she started giving examples of how she was out from under her husband's authority because he had asked her not to wear pants. She was wearing them again.
1: Oh, that was like, that was like the worst example of, you know, if you're going to try to defend that argument, you know, your husband doesn't want you to wear pants. And so you're in the wrong. It's like, you're an adult. You're. You're fully capable. If you don't want to wear pants, then don't wear pants. And if you do, then wear pants. Like and,
0: and again, this just calls right back to what we were talking about about extremist political stuff. Mm. Like you as a woman in these environments, you don't even get to pick what you wear. Or you,
1: if you're wearing anything.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> that too. So very, very dangerous and very dangerous that their goal is governmental takeover mm-hmm. governmental domination. Then we jump back into the Josh storyline and he's found guilty as discussed um, and sentenced to 12 and a half years. and this this next part was um, really meaningful to me and really heartbreaking personally. So Jim Bob's sister, Josh's aunt, she's back on the screen. And she talks about how her daughter, Amy, the cousin, um, called her when the news came out that Josh had been found guilty and and Jim Bob's sister, the aunt, I forget her name right now. She said, justice has been served and that Jim Bob needed to apologize to a lot of people. And I'm so proud of her. Like I like her and Amy and Amy's husband so much. And then I was just uh, – this is going to make it about me for a minute, but heartbroken. Like, why Why didn't my extended family do that? Like, why weren't they strongly on the side of justice? Mm-hmm. And why weren't they calling me like, justice has been served? Yeah, Rick and Chris have a lot of apologizing and explaining to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> like, sorry about your problems, Andy. We'll visit you in prison
1: right and it doesn't it, nobody in your extended family like tried to reach out after the court case and was just like i heard everything that went like happened like i'm so sorry like how can i be there for you and yeah. like you got no support from any of them really yeah. um
0: months and months and months later i did get a call from the one uncle who kind of is mm-hmm. in and out of my life and sometimes gets some things right but that was it
1: mm mm-hmm. mhm I mean, that's one person out of a massive
0: Irish, Italian, Irish, Italian
1: family. (laughs) Like (laughs) that was a small percentage there. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's good that it sounds like Jill and Jessa may still have some opportunity to connect with family through the, you know, through their aunt and uncle. Yeah. Um, It didn't say that, but I'm assuming
0: that- Amy talks about how proud she is Mm -hmm. of Jill and how she's so different. And
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that reminds me. Um, The uncle, who sometimes gets some things right and sometimes gets some things very wrong, he told me once that the whole family, the whole extended family knew that one of us was going to break out. Like, one of us was going to be different. (laughs) And they all thought it was going to be Amy- The sister who's three years older than I am who's married to that Joshua generation dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They never said why they thought it would be her.
1: She definitely didn't, though.
0: Gosh, no. She's the one who dove back in deeper than the rest of us. (laughs) Uh, With her head coverings and her skirts and her, you know, quitting her job because she couldn't work with men anymore after she got married. And then it starts talking about Anna. Anna. Anna Duggar. And that that is such a freaking tough one for me. Um,
1: that was pretty heartbreaking to see. Like, you could just see how. Stuck. Stuck she was. But she also. And, and one of the ladies pointed one of the lady commentators pointed this out. Like, she just didn't have the skill set. She was never told. Like, she literally just didn't have the wherewithal to even know how to navigate that situation. All yeah. she knew was, like, I'm married to him. I I'm have to a holy, suffer committed to him and no matter what he did, you know, I've got to be by his side and I'm going to fall back on my faith and I'm going to get through this. And like, that was the only thing she knew.
0: And the clip of her teaching people, you need to be willing to love your spouse, even when it hurts. And, Mm -hmm. and the cult teaching about how loyalty as a wife can be demonstrated only in adversity. (laughs) And I I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think I actually want to hold off Mm -hmm. because in a couple of weeks, we're going to do, um, an episode about divorce in the cult. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it really resonated with me because I was taught all the same stuff growing up. And I think the cult teachings explain why Anna stayed, why I stayed in these really bad situations. And Anna, I think it was hard for me to watch that part because, like, the look in her eyes, that mm-hmm. like stuck, pained look. I saw that look in the mirror in my own eyes thousands of times. And it's just, it's really hard to see it on a screen because then, you know, it's real like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is documented. Yeah. This is repeatable. <laughs> like yeah, I'm not the only one. The same yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to hold my comments there. Um, just in, until we get to the divorce in the cult episode and the, the commentator, I think was her name Brooke.
1: Um the blonde lady?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are multiple blonde ladies, but hopefully, we're yeah. talking about the same one. <laughs> she she talked about how like um there's this feeling of you're too happy something's wrong. And I like I felt that in my bones. There was a saying that I grew up with that I think came from the cult, one of the cult teachers. Good and bad run on parallel tracks, and they usually arrive at the same time.
1: So, are they, are they saying that when things are really good, like something really bad's about yes. to happen,
0: and that's going to like <laughs> test your faith?
1: That's a so, horrible way to live. So, like, does
0: this like explain stuff about me? Yeah,
1: it explains a lot. Uh, <laughs> it, and it is hard. It does happen where it's like things are going good, and like you get so anxious, and you're just like something bad's about to happen. I'm mm-hmm. like, everything's fine. Like. We look ahead, like we're smart. We plan <laughs> ahead, like we're we're getting all our ducks in a row. And you still have this underlying feeling of like, nope, like I yeah, don't know what it is. Yeah, because good and bad
0: run on parallel tracks, yeah. Kyle, and they're going to arrive at the same time. <laughs> I'm still working on reading this out. I I mean this this podcast has been really eye opening for me about where where I'm healed and where I'm not
1: when we met and you know, you were very open and obviously you talk about all the sexual assault stuff like that's mm-hmm. your bread and butter per se, like professionally. Mm-hmm. Um And so like that all seemed like very well processed. You're you have you've done the work there. Like that doesn't yeah. bother you.
0: That is. A, um, and that we is never
1: correct. really talked about like, I mean, you were out of the cult. <laughs> you didn't have like weird, cult tendencies like yeah um and jill i get the same impression from jill like she just doesn't seem like her sisters anymore like yeah she seems very normal if i can you know put a label on it like she seems normal and it was the same for you like i didn't see some like weird cult kid like yeah and so it's interesting to see you know that we're talking about this stuff you know some of the areas that it's still
0: it's just never come up i guess before this, well, I mean, why would it? Yeah, it wasn't relevant to anything I did in the military or <laughs> mm-hmm. anything I do as a consultant. Yeah, and... I mean,
1: when you're in the military, you're in the military. Like, yeah. that's the...
0: Well, I mean, I guess the only overlap with the military was, like, I was really fucking good at military because, <laughs> oh, there are rules, there are regulations, there's a dress code. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> there's a hierarchy. <laughs> I got this. I can do this in my sleep.
1: <laughs> I'm already 30 years into this yeah. practice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. And then and then the episode jumps back to the case against Bill.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's a lawsuit.
0: Yeah. And, and how, you know, it got dismissed because of uh, mm-hmm. the statute of limitations. And I was s- struck by how much Bill sounds like Trump. So he posted on Twitter or social media or something. And this is a direct quote. I copied it down. A huge victory. Conspiracy exposed. Lawsuit dropped.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's pretty –
0: I need it's, to make it a huge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a huge victory.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, if, if you get in trouble for any reason and then you're just like, Oh, you know, I got out of this. It was all fake. It was all made up stuff. But in reality, like the whole thing was dropped on a technicality or a statute of limitations. Like mm-hmm. why would you try to say that there was no substantiated Claims there I mean I From a logical Like common sense thing It's just like No that's not what happened Like it was dropped Because of statute of limitations It didn't say that What those ladies were saying Was not true And in
0: fact And in fact When Bill tried to Countersue them (laughs) The judge denied it Because he found All of the women To be credible (laughs) witnesses So Bill really shot himself In the foot there And I am here for it
1: Yeah Ugh So Bill's lawsuit was dropped because of statute of limitations.
0: No, the, the plaintiff's lawsuit was uh, against Bill. Yeah.
1: Um, and then, you know, in your court case, like,
0: Oh wait, not plaintiffs. I said that wrong. Continue. (laughs)
1: Everybody (laughs) knows what we're talking about. Um, but in like your case, like the judge told your parents, like if the statute of limitations hadn't run out, like I'd I'd come after you you too. And it's just crazy that the statute of limitations, has such impacts like this, especially and yeah. and this is something you can attest to more than I yeah. can. Like when you get into these sexual assault cases or rape cases, like it takes a long time, if ever that someone's going to speak up and say anything about yes. this stuff. And when you have a statute of limitations on it and maybe they, you know, it happened when they were seven mm-hmm. and they don't process that and go to therapy and like,
0: Get until, they're the guts until they're like
1: 40 or whatever. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, now you can't do anything because statute limitations.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but um, a lot of states, maybe all states now, I don't know. Last time I looked into it, a lot of states were moving toward no statute of limitation mm-hmm. on rape, mm-hmm. which is as it should be. But I guess like, I'm going to use this as a very gentle nudge. If you are listening to this podcast and you are a survivor who has considered reporting the perpetrator, like maybe this is a sign, maybe this is something, but like a gentle push to just Google it.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: are, do you live somewhere where there is a statute of limitations? Cause I can tell you I've, talked to so many survivors who did not have the opportunity mm-hmm. to report. Either the perpetrator died or the statute of limitations ran out. And and they're so their hurt is so compounded because they never got their day in court. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there's something very healing about having your day in court. So just a very gentle, hey, think about this when you have some emotional energy – consider it I can tell you from my professional work and talking to just hundreds of victims about this stuff there a lot of people do eventually reach a point where they wish they reported mm-hmm. and if you have the option and you have the support to move forward with it, I would encourage you to and you can definitely get in touch with me and be like, this is hard and it's all your fault because you said do it on a podcast (laughs) and I will like show up for you.
1: So (laughs) I think important thing to go back on. You said the statute of limitations where you live, but it's going to actually be the statute of limitations. Oh yeah. Where the
0: crime occurred. Good catch. Thank you. The statute of limitations where the crime occurred.
1: So I think the next scene is one of those lady was like, well, I'm in Chicago or you know, back of that area. So I'm just gonna drop in and see Bill. Uh, and I didn't really like, understand. Good on her. I didn't understand that. <laughs> like
0: why she wanted yeah. to I didn't fully get that either. It, I assumed, <laughs> which we shouldn't do. But my take on it was like, well, she just needed to confront the beast. Mm-hmm. and and sh- her, when she did that, the comment she had at the end was, I realized, like, he's just a man like this person who was larger than life who is haunted who haunted my childhood and mm-hmm. created all these issues for me into adulthood like
1: he's just a man. Yeah. And I think which what happened or what the her story was is that she went to his house. His house was full of boxes of his own books. Just 37
0: self-published yeah, books. Yeah. So I think that was
1: one <laughs> one data point there that like he's just conceited just like, like he's this is long ago he's not even a part of the cult anymore yeah and he still lives in a house full of his own books yeah and then that other part that, that she said is that like he prayed with her mm. and that she looked he up and he, he was, was just a, staring he was at her yeah and she was like oh
0: yeah like i see you bill
1: <laughs> right and so i think that was like to me that was the light bulb moment for her was yeah. He was. He wasn't even paying attention to the prayer. He was just staring at me because I had my eyes closed, and yeah. that was and an he's opportunity. Still a creepo. Yeah, it was an opportunity for him to, you know, just stare at me without me even being aware of it.
0: And that kind of shifted the episode in, into the conversation of deconstruction, and just how exhausting it is, and and how you know the speaking up. The talking about it is kind of the last step of deconstruction. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm not totally in. Well, I'm speaking up about the cult, but they were speaking deconstruction. Um, specifically, they were talking about deconstructing your faith
1: beliefs yeah. and
0: examining them. And
1: it was part of their healing process. Yeah. So like that's why they're deconstructing their faith is because yeah. it was just so messed up. Yeah. That they had to like deconstruct that to figure out like where. Yeah. What was the issues there like how were they twisting this like and yeah. in, in what ways and what how were they using it against me and so
0: Well then I guess I have been deconstructing for a while but I haven't shared publicly about it and I know everyone wants to know <laughs> I know but we hear you we hear you thank you for submitting your questions and I'm thinking I'm thinking I I had a great therapy session earlier today where we talked about this stuff. So
1: <laughs> she was glowing earlier. We haven't talked about it yet, but
0: oh, and then and then um, Brooke. Oh, so Brooke is the lady who went to yes. see Bill. Okay, mm-hmm. so then earlier when I said the blonde lady, not Brooke. I I apologize. I don't know the other blonde lady's name, but she's the one who survived the domestic violence thing. With oh yeah. yes, so mm-hmm. Brooke is like. So I decide. I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna get a PhD, and she's like, "Watch how much education I can get." And Sounds I was like, familiar. "Go, girl!" Like, yes.
1: <laughs> Amanda's goal get all life. of
0: the letters after yeah. your name.
1: Amanda's goal in life is to just like reach every mountain top of education.
0: Well, it's fun. I like it. Mm-hmm. Weird. I it is is okay.
1: Yeah. I love. There's me, nothing wrong with that. My
0: weirdness. And then something else a lot of the ex people brought up as well is like this this concept of, of learning how to trust yourself again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trauma laugh. That really resonated with me. And I know that can happen in a lot of environments. It's not limited to cults. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that that was such a profoundly important part of my late 20s and early thirties was learning that I can trust myself. I can trust my instincts. I can trust myself to make good choices. I can trust myself to figure out if I want to wear pants (laughs) (laughs) or cut my hair. Yeah.
1: And they were also saying that, you know, once you get outside the culture, once you speak up, like there is support out there. There's, there's people out there that, that want to hear your story and they want to support you and they want to help you get out of that.
0: And it it was the the blonde lady whose name I can't remember who said, um, what you'll find is that there are people who catch you and the universe catches you.
1: It's true. Like, you know, there's, you know, obviously there's horrible people out there that have pictures of babies on their computer that are inappropriate. Um, But there's also people out there that are, that are like you and they're going to help you whenever you, you know, you need them.
0: Yeah. And then Lindsay, one of the commentators, um, she talks about how there are moments in in her life where she just wakes up and she looks at her life and she's like, I made this. And I, (laughs) I get that feeling all the time. Like when I'm up on a stage talking to people, I recently um, was one of the speakers at a conference where like 22 nations were represented. And I was like looking at all the flags for every nation represented at the conference And I was there to talk about healthy and helpful response to sexual assault. And I was like, oh, my God, the cult kid made it. Like, I got out. I Mm -hmm. got out. And, yeah, I'm, like, socially awkward and weird. And there are a lot of (laughs) pop culture references I don't know. But, like, I like me. Mm -hmm. I like me. And that's maybe, like, the most important thing I got out with was – my soul but i'm not only out of the environment i'm i'm actively participating in making sure that fewer and fewer people hopefully in my lifetime experience harm like i did mm-hmm. and like so many of the people who grew up in that cult did and i you know i get the feeling of oh my god that's my life when i you know look look around our home or Like walk outside with the dog and there's like a utterly breathtaking sunset. Like I'm here in this beautiful space and I'm building this life with you, Kyle. And like, I got out. And that's like, that's the phrase that runs through my head is the little cult girl got out. And, and all, all of the things, you know, we're very lucky to have a beautiful home and a beautiful place. And, but that, like that, doesn't matter as much as getting out with your soul intact.
1: Yeah, and even on top of all of that, um, and I'm not discounting that at all. But like on top of all of that, you're trying to bring people with you. You're like, yeah. there's more of a, there's more people like me out there. And when we first started dating, you were like, M- my house is a safe place. I've yeah. got a room set up for whoever needs it.
0: Yeah. That was a goal I had as a kid. And I'm <laughs> and so you were like, thrilled I have so
1: that adamant, now. like this is going to be a safe place. I'm going to make sure whoever I'm with can also facilitate that. Like, yes, I, you know, that was more important than me. <laughs> yes. Like it was. And I knew that you were like, if you're, if I can't do that and I'm speaking for you, like if you were like, if I can't have a safe place because of who I'm with, I'm not going to be with that person. Like I'm going to have a safe place to harbor whoever needs it whenever they need it. And you've done that. Like, you know, you've had a revolving door of people that come stay with us and we always have a nice room set up for them to stay. It has to be pretty. (laughs) And
0: it is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful that that was something you just bought into and did with me. I mean, you support that in so many ways, like the tangible stuff, like, you know, decorating and making sure it's nice, but also.
1: Well, I mean, you do the decorating. Being the person
0: <laughs> who, who helps me live out that dream I had since I was a kid, that yeah. my home
1: would be a safe space. You know when you go to the hotels and like you walk in and there's like. You know, they got the water bottle on and all the coffee <laughs> things on the on the counter. So, you know, it feels like, oh, I, I can stay here and there's stuff set up for me to do it. Like the guest bedroom literally has like a couple bottles of water in there and some snacks. <laughs> like it stays set up like that. Um obviously she switches out the food and whatnot, but uh yeah, like our room's always set up for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our, our guest our room. Guest, be- guest room, yeah.
0: And I mean they, they close this episode in the series so powerfully with with one of the ex-IBLP guys who said, "You know, we were what they feared most. All we had to do was talk mm-hmm. And we are so many of us are. And I'm really proud to be part of that. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what we're doing that was I feel like our intention when we started this thing is just to kind of voice what had happened
0: normalize it,
1: normalize it and just let people aware of that. Like, especially, and especially with this mini series here about the Duggars, like it's important for people to know everything that was going on behind the scenes there. Like this is a national television show about this family Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: here's what was actually happening. You
0: know, I was talking to my, my best friend about this actually earlier today um, the documentary and stuff, and she was like, "You know what's so powerful about all of this is, like the Duggars, they were they were the shiny best penny, right? Like they were out in front, mm-hmm. and this is like that was the best, <laughs> and look how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that for for those of you who have a story similar to." you know, the Duggars or to mine where there was abuse and a lot of nasty stuff in your home growing up. I hope that this documentary and how seriously it's being taken. And the fact that Josh was convicted and sent to prison for 12 and a half years, like, I hope you find it validating because it, what happened with the Duggars, because they were so public, that lends a lot of credibility to the rest of our stories Mm -hmm. and what happened with Bill. And the fact that at every level, uh, like all of these important people in the cult, in the movement, they all had freaking sex scandals. They yeah. were all complicit in covering them up. It, you know, they they were just bad people. And I know there's some people who say there's no bad people. I haven't decided if I agree <laughs> with that yet. Eh. Um, but yeah, I hope that it's validating to you. And I hope you recognize that this – provides you credibility with your story too.
1: So I think that's everything for this series on shiny, happy people. That was a long four episodes for us, especially you.
0: And who knows what else is going to come out about IVLP Mm -hmm. and the Joshua generation and everything in the future. I kind of doubt this will be the last we hear of it.
1: No, I don't, think it will be either and i think hopefully through podcasts like this and you know all those folks that were on on the the series as mm-hmm. commentators or or Made an amazing job by the way right yeah they all did amazing um and you can you know you could tell they're still they're still pushing with that they're still healing from that they're still yeah. processing that Very they're brave. still charging forward on it um and I'm hoping that as the Joshua generation gets a little older and they get exposed to mm-hmm. the outside world a little bit more, that hopefully some of those people will find their way out mm-hmm. and start speaking up about it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what has to happen. That's what they said at the end of the last episode is like, you just have to speak up about this stuff.
0: Yeah. You can come to our social media and share your story in the comments or DM us or whatever. Like our pages will be safe spaces to talk and to share if that helps anyone feel free. And I know there are a lot of other, you know, people on social media and stuff out there who are also spreading the good word of Bill Gothard is a piece of shit. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think throughout this whole series, I hope that people saw what was happening. Like, I I feel like the series, the miniseries, the the the
0: documentary, the the
1: Shiny Happy People documentary, did a very good job of kind of showing the behind the scenes of Mm -hmm. like, here's what you saw on the Nineteen Kids and Counting show. Here's all the stuff you didn't see, Mm -hmm. or maybe you influenced it, right? Or maybe you just weren't keeping up with it enough to understand all the all the nuances there and just how bad it was. Yeah. And, and they only briefly touched on so much stuff. Like yeah. you could dive into any one of those facilities mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's a whole other documentary that could just oh, be yeah. done in books probably written about hundreds. just the one, you know, the one camp or the <laughs> yeah. one location Yeah, because they sound so different and they yeah. probably had different dynamics and they were, had their mm-hmm. own Mini issues. Cult. Yeah. So that's one part of it. That's just, it's, I think the scope of the damage that was caused in that cult mm-hmm. is, they barely scratched the surface on yeah. it with this series. Yeah. But hopefully it was enough to like
0: the open eye your opening. eyes and
1: yeah. understand that there's more to that.
0: Yeah. And I also hope that if, if this was tough for you to watch, shiny happy people or if listening to us review these episodes was tough. I I hope that you give yourself a lot of grace and care and tenderness and, and allow yourself to feel your feelings safely and, uh, and reach out for support from safe people you can trust if you need to talk and process. But yeah, it's, it's a lot.
1: And I think with, You know, at the end of the last episode, they're like, you just have to speak up about this. And Jill said in the episode that, like, you you have to go through hell to Mm kind of get out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that when people see this, they can relate to that. And it is hard to get out of it. Um, But you did it.
0: Mm -hmm. So many people
1: have done it. it, And there's people out there that will help you Mm -hmm. navigate that.
0: Yeah. And I also hope that eventually there will be such such a mountain of evidence and mm-hmm. in, in so many voices shouting out the truth about the cult that you don't have to go to hell, through hell to decide to leave, that you can encounter stories and, you know, documentaries and stuff and decide for yourself like, wow, this cult is harmful. This cult is illogical, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that someday folks who are still in the cult will not have to go through hell to leave it. I hope that they will just encounter so much evidence about its harm that they can make a choice to leave in a more peaceful way.
1: And I'm sure as we, as time progresses, there's probably going to be more court cases that come up around this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. People hear about your, your court case um, Mm -hmm. and other people come forward and hopefully they have the strength and the support to, to move forward with that is it's, it's happening. It has happened these horrendous crimes um, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of strength and support to, to move through that process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The support piece is absolutely crucial because it's <laughs> most, most sexual assault cases take on average two to three years start to finish. And mine took four. I've heard of them taking longer. Like, it's a marathon. (laughs) It is a marathon emotionally. So having that support piece is really important. And that's something I did. Like, I built up my support network, and then I reported my brother. Mm -hmm. So definitely, yeah, definitely make sure you've got those people around you who can hear you and see you and believe you and show up for you in meaningful ways when you need it
1: so that wraps up our mini series on the shiny happy people docuseries stay tuned for more episodes on the iblp cult and the cult i left behind thanks for listening to another episode of the cult i left behind until
0: next time
1: don't join a cult if you enjoyed this podcast please like share and subscribe and we will catch you on the next episode